Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, the podcast where we're looking at the digital revolution, the AI revolution, the Gen AI phenomenon, and lots of other fun things that are taking place these days. And at this time of year, uh, over the past several weeks, the big tech vendors, many of them from the Cloud Wars Top 10, get together for their annual customer and partner conferences, bringing folks in from all over the world, and they release some strategic plans. And we're delighted to get a pretty keen and insightful overview of all that from our good friend, Bonnie Tinder, who is the CEO of Raven Intelligence. Bonnie, welcome. Good to see you. Great to see you too, Bob. So Bonnie, you know, uh, you, you've you've shown your dedication. You're out there logging the miles, the hotel stays, going to these events to be able to synthesize a lot of the big things that are going on. Um, Bonnie, before you go into the, some of the company by company details, what's your overall sense you know, of the, uh, you know, the sense of, I guess, you know, is it optimism or innovation or adventure, you know, that you're feeling from these different events right now, as opposed to one or two years ago? Yeah, I think they have been better attended than they have. I think we're even at levels pre-2019. Yeah. Um, so, you know, definitely the in-person event is back um, in full force. And I think, there's a ton of innovation that's come out of these shows, um, you know, particularly in the uh, generative AI marketplace. We don't have to say that. I mean, that's that's taken the forefront of every conversation, but certainly uh, these in-person trade shows as well. There wasn't a, um, you know, an exhibit booth or a presentation that happened without a mention of our friend AI. So, um, you know, that that's definitely at the forefront. You know, I always struggle to think like, okay, so why do all of these vendors decide to put all of their shows at the same time in the fall? Um, and it's not just to to be difficult um, and to get everybody uh, to travel during these months, but it's, you know, I think what the importance of having these shows happen in the fall is to get buyers um, ready and, um, you know, buyers budgeting for these technologies for 2024 and the year to come. So why do all of them happen in the fall? Well, there's a good reason. And that is because, um, you know, typically budgets are happening, um, you know, between now and the end of this year for 2024. And this is a good way to at least get the uh, ball rolling in terms of, uh, you know, buyers being aware of what's available and what's to come. Well, Bonnie, you know, with all of those happening, and again, I want to say, you know, you've done the hard work, you've been out on the road. So uh, uh, thanks for that. We ran into each other at a couple of these events. I, I would share your sense that, uh, you know, dominated by the Gen AI, but I think the, um, I, I think there's an overall tone too, from all of the big tech vendors of um, definitely an eagerness and willingness to talk about their cool new technology. But I think more and more, they're trying to speak in the language of the customers really impart some of that. And I'm sure that, you know, as you go through some of your uh, checklist here for today, that that'll come up. So, uh, Bonnie, let me turn it over to you and be eager to hear, you know, your thoughts and analyses of, of uh, what you've come across over the last five, six weeks. 
For sure. And I, I thought I would have a, a quick visual aid here. So these are just some <laughs> of the badges that I've been wearing and I just dropped a couple of them. Um, so uh, yes, I have been wearing one of these badges uh, for the last five weeks. And let me tell you the shows that, that I'm going to summarize today. So SAP Success Factors, Success Connect that happened in Las Vegas. And that's the uh, HCM specific show for SAP. Number two, uh, Workday Rising. That is uh, includes HGM, but all of the Workday ERP suite represented there that happened in San Francisco um, in uh, end of September. Oracle Cloud World, uh, also representative of the entire Oracle suite, including the HCM that happened in late September in Las Vegas. We had the HR Technology Conference that happened in Las Vegas as well um, in October. Um, I was at last week, the UKG Partner Forum, which happened in Orlando. Some announcements came from that. And UKG is uh, a, primarily an HCM vendor, uh, but very big in that space. And then finally, Unleashed, which is the um, EMEA-based show held in Paris uh, for HR, sort of a, you know, a similar type of show to the HR technology, uh, technology Conference. So those are all the ones I attended or definitely was covering remotely. And um, so I think, you know, as I think through um, and having sat through many of those presentations at those events, I really saw five main themes that came out of those shows um, that that I'd like to, to share. Well, and before uh, we do that, can I ask, yeah. it sounds like you had three trips to Las Vegas, uh, probably one or two to San Francisco, Orlando. Did you get to that one in Paris? I did not get to the one in Paris. Uh, that was one that I wished I could have attended. I had a conflict with one of the other shows, same date. Um, I would have been there, uh, but boy, I wish I could have been in Paris. Next year. Nice. Next, Next year. year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So sorry, I interrupted. Just wanted to but to check on that location. Wow, three trips to Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah that's there was, no, there was no, no shortage of Las Vegas. That's for okay. sure. I'm, I'm okay to be done with Vegas for a little while. Bonnie, well, even to hear your your five, so you're able to sort of extract from all those major vendors, those world shaping companies, five big big themes. Mm -hmm. Definitely, um, and you know, as we mentioned at the top of the show, so generative AI and its impact on hiring and employee development. So in every single show, that took the center stage. It was a part of all of the conversations with product updates, as well as what's what's new and what's to come. Um, you know, generative AI things, uh, you know, basically these products powered by machine learning, natural language processing. Um, it's really revolutioning, revolutionizing the way that HR is able to approach recruitment and sift through candidates uh, and massive amounts of, of data. It has helped um, reshape the ability for HR departments to define job descriptions and even to predict how candidates will perform in specific roles based upon, uh, you know, resume and skill information. So some really neat things there um, beyond hiring uh, generative AI and some of the announcements that came out or product uh, upgrades, um, you know, really focused too on employee development. 
and how can a HR department offer personalized training and upskill their workforce um, by offering, you know, better recommended training um, or improve the overall look at, you know, what is my composition currently of employee skills um, so I can enhance uh, the, the workforce that I have today. So, um, but generative AI really helping to power innovations in all of these areas around skills, learning, recruiting, and, and talent development. Uh, so that's that was uh, one major one. Um, number two is this idea of employee engagement. And that is not new. I would say last year, that was number one um, in terms of the conversation. Um, but this idea that we are needing to reshape the way that work is done remotely or in hybrid formats, this idea of maybe return to work, how does that change the overall morale of employees and things like that? How do you win the minds and hearts of employees and your top talent to stay and retain, uh, be retained at your organization? That continues to be really important. Um, you know, there's topics that were around employee burnout as well as mental health at work. And as an HR department, how do you identify what's really happening um, in your workforce? Are employees um, you know, ready to leave because they're being overworked or the demands are too high? Um, you know, we've seen just uh, in mainstream news, all of these uh, companies that have had labor strikes that have happened, everybody from you know Walgreens to um, you know, the, the motor companies, yeah. um, you know, so this idea of employee burnout is, is a huge issue and it's, it's spread across every industry. Um, so that concept and how can we identify that? How can we make sure that we're monitoring that in, within the employee life cycle is, has been a, a big deal. And every single one of the conferences focused, focused on employee engagement in some way. Um, I think number three would be this idea of people analytics and modeling. So the ability for a HR team to make data-driven decisions about um, everything from hiring to compensation to, you know, how, how do we need to plan for the future based upon the workforce that we have um, today? And so, you know, this idea of analytics and uh, the management of employee data, that's not necessarily something new. And it's been, you know, re it's been recurring for, for years, but this idea of now embedding AI into the process and some breakthroughs in terms of uh, data modeling has really made it a lot easier to do this uh, you know, with, with the current technology that's available. Hey, Certainly. One, yep. Mm -hmm. One thing I just want to mention on that, uh, you know, about the, the modeling, I remember, um, one of the companies you mentioned Workday, uh, right after, or, you know, within three, four, six months after the COVID really, uh, broke out in March of 2020, 
Workday reported that they had some customers who were just starting to use their like workforce planning models as well as financial scenarios. But they said there was, I think the number's right, that they were seeing some of these companies a 30x increase in the number of planning scenarios they were going through, right? You know, that everything had changed. They had to really find a new way to look at, as you put it, you know, uh, how do we plan for the future? And now come three and a half years into the future to today, the changes that businesses are being uh, required to go through to keep up with this, all of the ramifications of Gen AI and all that, I can see why this planning area that you've talked about, data-driven decision-making is more critical than ever. And it's probably something that companies are doing more frequently and with more strategic intent than ever before. Without a doubt. And it's not just, well, what might the future be? But, you know, if you think about many of these companies that use Workday and some of these other HCM platforms, they are, um, you know, looking at processes where what if we purchase another organization? You know, how might that look? How might that change our employee um, you know, composition. It's not just planning for the inter- incremental changes in the future, um, you know, based on normal uh, factors, but what if we were to acquire a new business um, and, and being able to model and do those type of scenarios is really important, particularly f- for large organizations that do a lot of M&A. Great, thanks. Um, you know, as part of uh people analytics, you know, diversity and inclusion metrics are being monitored closely as well. And, you know, having tools and some of these, uh, you know, the ability to do data analysis is important because companies are being asked to report on, um, you know, their, the DE and I and, and DEIB initiatives that they have within their organization. So that's absolutely a part of this people analytics um, piece and and data-driven decision-making, which I I would say number four would be the DEIB conversation. So diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, as well as equal pay. So, um, you know, equal pay, particularly recently has been um, you know, very newsworthy. And so the idea of being able to understand, you know, is there bias within my organization as it relates to pay, as it relates to, um, you know, the way we hire, um, or even the way that we have uh, the, the culture set up and the programs that we offer internally, you know, are they inclusive enough of the the total workplace um you know those are important conversations and if you don't have um the ability in terms of an infrastructure and in terms of your technology to be able to to monitor and uh make sure that you have all of those things accounted for within your hr system um you know you're in a lot of trouble so essentially that that piece of things as it relates to technology was was a big part of the the each conference um, and then finally, the the fifth major theme would be this idea of skills management and upskilling for the workforce of the future. Um, I think we have seen just in general a slowdown in hiring um, in many industries, not all, um, but 
you know, definitely in tech, there's been a slowdown. And I think in 2024, um, that unemployment will continue to, to, to grow slightly. So, um, you know, HR departments are going to be tasked with how do you adapt the skill set of your current workforce for the future? So if AI is going to displace some of the things that you used to do in the past, how can you change the skill set of your workers to then, um, you know, work around that and become more efficient with AI, but develop them beyond that um, in other areas that are needed. So this idea of how do we reshape the job roles that we have and how can we identify the skills that we have internally and close the gap among employees through a better training um, or, or upskilling initiatives is, is, is a really important um, you know, part of the conversation as well. So I would say that 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 would be uh, number five. And if I had to pick five topics, I mean, there was many more as well. Those would be the major themes that I heard at every single one of the shows that I attended. Hey, Bonnie, it's a great list. Um, I want to ask if I could tie number one in with number five there. So uh, generative AI, but in in more broadly, AI in particular these days, understandably, there's a lot of concern, a lot of conversation about, um, is this just going to, are we going to automate so many processes that we're going to just blow a lot of people out of their jobs? But it sounds like what you're talking about here now with skill management and upskilling for the workforce of the future, the two things are happening. One is the people within the workforce, you said, as you reshape the job roles, they can get the sort of skills training to be able to handle those. And also, I think it's a great thing that a lot of processes will be automated. But as that happens in parallel, then, you know, I think the the most uh, successful organizations, the ones who anticipate that and say, hey, do you folks who used to have to do this pretty, you know, low level, and if not uh, always, you know, sort of soul crushing work. It's pretty boring. And, you know, we know you're capable of doing more than that. We're going to help now get you trained to do these other sorts of things and drive more value for you, your work, for our customers, for our organization. I, I just think it's a, it's a perfect counterpoint to the, um, again, it's understandable, some sense of concern that people have about, uh, you know, are, are there going to be mass layoffs due to, um, AI triggered automation and, uh, you know, the, the robots coming in to do everything better than people can do. So I, I hope we're um, getting to a point, uh, you know, when we see this sort of theme that you've described in number five of skill management of people, you know, having their anxieties level drop a little bit, uh, the, 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 there are going to be so many new jobs created by the innovation that Gen AI and AI overall helps to trigger. Uh, but without the right sort of skill management, it's going to be very hard for companies to try to, um, you know, find the way to connect those two factors. Yeah. And I think, you know, rather than being afraid that AI is going to replace me, you know, the conversation I think everybody should have, no matter what your job is, is how can I use AI so that I can become a superhero in my job? And, um, you know, be that much smarter 
that much more efficient and able to make the the mission critical decisions as opposed to worrying about day-to-day administrative. And, and I think there's so much potential to make every employee a star by by having AI working for them, not yeah. against them. So Bonnie, the five great hot trends there, did you see some areas that you feel from a year or two or three years ago are losing some steam? For sure. So anything to do with the metaverse or NFTs <laughs> or <laughs> cyber currency, um, all three of those areas, which, you know, in some ways, even, you know, in, in the past had like made their way into uh, regular conversation, heard nothing about that or this idea of Web 3.0, absolutely zero um, time was spent on any of those areas this this year. Um, so those have completely cooled down. Um, also, you know, this idea of talent acquisition, especially in some fields like tech, where there have been layoffs or gaming, um, where these industries have been, were booming in the past and so much money was channeled into talent acquisition. Those have really cooled off in that conversation about mass hiring um, is not where it was uh, a year or two ago at all. Um, you know, some industries are booming in terms of hiring things like healthcare and civil engineering, but that's a different type of talent acquisition than you know, what we've seen in the past in terms of, of, of tech sort of jobs. So anything in talent acquisition and particularly in the tech se- sector is, is really cooling off. Um, you know, a lot of companies are actually rec- cutting their recruiting efforts and budgets. Um, so that that's different than last year. Um, I think, um, conversely, um, some interesting hot areas that came up were uh, daily, this idea of daily pay, pay on demand, um, contingent workforce, or the ability to pay gig workers immediately is like, there's all of a sudden there's like 10 new companies that popped up this year, you know, daily pay being one of them um, that that handle this area that are starting to, to be a big part of the conversation. Um, there's this area and it's called Earned wage access, EWA, brand new. And what that is known as is like what I just mentioned, the on-demand pay. So earned wage access, it is a way for organizations to be able to support their workers' financial well-being, particularly their hourly workforce, um, without having to pay them more. So give them access to their daily pay as opposed to having to pay them more um, to support, you know, some of the the needs that they have um, for for pay liquidity. So that that idea came up um, multiple times, and we haven't seen that as much in the past. So uh, I would say those things are new. Bonnie, you know, um, it, it's a fascinating idea, and I again the, the the power of technology today to make that possible. I don't know when this was, but it was a lot of years ago, 30, 30 years ago. 35 years ago, whatever it was. But I remember I was talking to an executive in the insurance industry and I, I, you know, he kept talking about, you know, annual premiums, annual policies. And I, I said, why, why are they all annual? You know, does anybody ever say, Hey, could I get a three month or six month? And uh, 
he just sort of shrugged his shoulders and said, that's, that's how the mainframe programs are written and they can't be changed. Uh, I think at the time I probably, oh, well, of course. Um, but today you wonder, and I, I think we'll increasingly look back and say, well, why did they do it that way? Why did you say we're going to pay people once a month or every other Friday or the first and the 15th? And I guess it suited the convenience of the employer. You know, mm -hmm. understandably, they're the one forking out the money, so they're going to set the rules. But today, as you've described, there's so many people who are not full-time employees, different work requirements now. Uh, it's just leading to, I think, a very healthy request or demand for different sorts of compensation models. So it isn't that they're getting paid more, but perhaps the disbursement of pay is broken down from the monthly, biweekly, you know, those traditional norms to fit the the needs and requirements of a very, very different workforce. Going back, I think, Bonnie, to one of your big five themes about employee engagement. You know, at some level, this is going to be one of those things that I think makes people feel more loyal to the, the company for whom they're working. Without a doubt. And it's a way you know, just that small tweak in the administration of pay. It's a, it's a way to become more competitive without having to spend a dime more. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a creative solution to something that employees have been asking for, for, for a long time. Bonnie, can I ask you a philosophical question? Yes. Okay. So like why were insurance policies every 12 months? So, you know, uh, these days, also this time of year, in addition to the tech industry events, there are these lists, best of, and they happen once a year. If we were, if Earth was twice as far from the sun and it was 24 months made up a year, would we do it every 24 months or would we do it every 12 months? Uh, I think we would do it every 12 months because... <laughs> 24 months is too 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 long to wait for uh to get paid i think okay. i think all of all of these best of uh report uh vendors that's too long and it's 12 months is even 12 months i think is too long our our society and and technology changes so quickly we should do them every two all right <laughs> Well, good. I, I'm. I bet I haven't been able to sleep well for the last month since you know. But I was looking forward to that answer. So thank you, on that, <laughs> Bunny. And if we pivot that, since we are in the twelve month calendar, what do you see for uh, the coming twelve months of twenty twenty four? Yeah. Well, I think you know AI will continue to uh, be talked about, but I think the um, it's it's going to be strong dose of reality when some of these products start being actually used and adopted to see does AI hold the promise that everybody has talked about for the last year. And so more and more companies as they adopt some of these products are going to see, does this really help me become more efficient or is this just another buzzword? Are these chatbots going to make the difference in employee engagement or my employees going to be chatbotted to death. So I think we're going to see the adoption of some of these technologies and either is it, you know, things are going to go in one of two ways, either um, it will continue to build on it and it's going to really reshape the society or we'll learn that, um, you know, there's a lot of pitfalls in the process too. So we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, we'll have this conversation again, hopefully Bob sometime yeah. next year, where we'll look back and, and say, um, 
you know, we got this right, or wow, we were, this was a little overhyped. So AI continuing to be a big part of the conversation. I think, um, you know, I think the coming year, there's uh, unemployment is going to continue to increase. I think there will be probably a cooling off in the labor market. So some of these areas that have been really hot in terms of, um, you know, attracting new talent aren't going to be as hot. And this idea of retaining top talent is going to continue to be part of the conversation. The reskilling of employees is going to continue to be part of the conversation. And I think any product that is going to help do those things is, um, you know, there's going to be a, a big appetite for that financially. And those those are the vendors that we'll see growth in. Right. All right. Well, Bonnie, this has been quite a, uh, a a look into the recent past, what went on at these events, the big themes coming out of that, a look ahead and some uh, great, great thoughts and perspectives on stuff that's hot, that isn't so hot. And, you know, why next year, again, will be uh, probably an eye opener, you know, straight through. Absolutely. Excited to see where, where things go in the new year. Well, good, Bonnie. Thanks. As always, it's a treat. Uh, to hear from you, if somebody wants to find out more about Raven Intelligence, where would they do that? Ravenintel.com or send me an email, bonnie at ravenintel.com. Uh, be happy to share um, all of our, our knowledge with you. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Bonnie, thanks so much. Always good to see you. Great to see you too, Bob. All right. And folks, thanks to you for being with us here on uh, Cloud Wars Live. She is Bonnie Tinder, the founder and CEO of Raven Intelligence. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time.